You guys, afterwards, if you want prayer, please call Irina. <laughs> One of the elders. It's like that dog. The dog that chases the cars. What's he going to do when he catches the car one day? So we just caught the car. Now, now we don't know what to do with the car. So it's really good to be with you this morning. Um, my name is Mornay. Hi. I grew up just up the street here. Uh, who of you know where Panorama um, Aptiak is? Who of you know where the lion's head is? Yeah. <laughs> so I grew up just across the road there. Um, my old house is now a mosque. So I can't even go visit and see what it looked like. But it's, uh, it's great to be with you guys here this morning. And it's, it's wonderful just to see so many faces that I know. Lindy, Dasio. So, Lindy, we moved to Mossel Bay about 10 years ago, and then Lindy was there. Great to see you. And Nikki Karstens, and Tanya, <laughs> So, me and Nikki, we were flatmates for a while. Uh, I came into Josh Jane, and we lived in a commune for a long time. He, he denies it, but it felt like years, impactful years into our life. And um, me and Harry, we also lived in a house together. I came back from work the one day, I was a pharmacist, and I came back, we worked shifts, and I came back, I'd worked a long shift the night before, worked a short shift, came back at one o'clock, two o'clock, and the room that I had was next to the kitchen, and when I got home, I opened my door, and my one wall wasn't a wall anymore, it had been broken open into the kitchen, and so they decided they were going to do renovations without telling me, so I had a day to move, well, not even a day, like an hour. And then Rina, we were engaged at that point, and she moved in with uh, Lisa. And then I moved into her flat, and that was a strange flat. Jeez, like. It was like under the level of the, the, the swimming pool. And so at night, the creepy crawly, crawly would like, like suck you next to your head. You would have these strange dreams. <laughs> but there's many, I mean, Stevens, yeah, I hadn't seen him for years. And, but that's the wonderful thing about church, is that even though we we together, we move. You know, this thing of church is dynamic. It's, uh, we move, but our friendships remain. But there's faces here that I've just mentioned, but there's faces here that should be here that are not here. Like from the early years, like uh, John Jacobs, where's he? Like where's the first church administrator? Neil. And Neil was a guy that lived in his car with his dog, eh? But this thing of Christianity and our Christian walk, this race that we run, is actually quite a precarious race. Well, Ilana, I mean, we've been also together, Rulof. Like just, it's just amazing that we can run this. Neil, is that you? I'm like, I'm looking at you. You've lost weight, eh? <laughs> it's good to see you. So I met Neil two or three years ago at, in Mossel Bay. And um, so it's great to see you. I looked at you earlier, and I, you were looking at me, but I wasn't quite sure. You know, it's one of those moments. But anyway, so it's good, good to see you. But there's people that should be here that are not here. And what I want to speak about this morning is I want to speak about the Holy Spirit, how the Spirit works with us.
to keep us with Christ because he's called our helper. He's called the paraclete that once, that's next to us and runs with us and the one that calls us and calls out to us that encourages us. And he encourages us in three areas. And I want to speak about those three areas to us this morning, but I want to take a bit of a different lens because this is not an individual race that we run. This is a together race that we run. And as we run this race together, each and every one of us has a part to play within this race. And so even though the Holy Spirit runs next to us and He calls out to us and He's the one that helps us to try and get us over this finish line, we better together. And we are running this race together. And what we want is, is that every single one of us that is here will finish the race and not go missing like some of the faces that have gone missing. And I'm sure if you think about it, there's some faces that were here, but now where are they? Have they given up the race? Some people are in it, someone else, and that's all right. But some people give up the race. And so that's what we want to talk about this morning. We want to talk about how the Holy Spirit encourages us to run the race, and how can we encourage one another along with the Holy Spirit to run this race and to finish strong for Jesus. And so I want to start off with a little clip. Okay, we're going to watch this clip, and uh, it's just going to introduce the, the topic we're talking about today. So can we have that first clip, please? Kenyan runner Abel Muthai was leading the cross-country race at an event in Burlada, Navera, in December 2012. He was only a few meters from the finish line, but got confused with the sign and stopped, thinking he had finished the race. A Spanish runner, Ivan Fernandez, was right behind him and, realizing what was going on, he started shouting to the Kenyan to keep running. Muthai did not know Spanish and did not understand. Realizing what was going on, Fernandez pushed Muthai to the victory. A reporter asked Iwan, why did you do this? Iwan replied, my dream is that one day we can have some sort of community life where we push ourselves and help each other to win. The reporter insisted and asked again, but you could have won. Iwan replied, I didn't deserve to win it. I did what I had to do. He was the rightful winner. He created a gap that I could not have closed if he had not made a mistake. As soon as I saw he was stopping, I knew I was not going to pass him. And what would be the merit of this victory? And what would be the honor of this medal? And what would my mother think of it? Moral, the values are transmitted from generation to generation. What values do we teach our children and how much do you inspire others to earn it? Most of us take advantage of people's weaknesses instead of helping to strengthen them. Thank so good, eh? He got confused, he made a mistake and he stopped. And even was like the Holy Spirit just like pushing him over the line saying, come on man, make it. And that's what God wants us to do for one another. So why don't we look at the scripture in John, from verse 7 to 11, and we see in these three areas that the Holy Spirit is the one that comes next to us and encourages us. And so John 16, verse 7, I'm going to start reading. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your, this is not Jesus speaking, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, the advocate, the paraclete will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And so the first point I want to make there is, is it's to our advantage that Jesus goes away. Now, he's not speaking to the disciples. Now, you've got to just put yourself in this frame of mind. There's the 12 disciples with Jesus. They've seen the miracles. They've seen the demons being drived out. They've seen the 5,000 being fed. 
They're like, we with Jesus, man. This is insane. This is awesome. And now Jesus says to them, it's better that I go away. It's good that I go away. And that word there, good, is not the normal word or advantage stage. It's not the normal word that you would expect to be used. It's agathos. No, this is sunfaro, which means, it's a compound which means together we can carry more. And so I want to say to us, it's better that Jesus went away because when he went away, the Holy Spirit came to who? Where's the Holy Spirit now? He's in our hearts. How many were they? Well, it was one Jesus with his disciples. How many are we? And if we are a Christian, we have the Holy Spirit within our heart, and we have the potential to do the good that Jesus did. And so it's to our advantage that each and every one of us realizes that inside of our hearts, we carry the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And if we would offer ourselves to one another and carry one another's burdens together, we can all make it across the line. But if we only rely upon Rian or upon the elders or upon the deacons or upon the community leaders, we will never accomplish that which God wants for us. And so I want to say to you, why is what we're talking about important this morning? It's because the Bible teaches us that before you were formed in your mother's womb, that God knew you and that he appointed you to do and be something for him within his kingdom. And that's, fi- that's where you find your meaning, your purpose, and your identity. And so maybe church and life has become a little bit meaningless. I want to say find your space within this body because some are ears, some are mouths, some are hands, some are appendices, which I always used to think that the appendix has got no point, no use. It's like in mongols. You go in for an operation, they say, take it some out. Maybe you're sitting here and you feel like a mongol. <laughs> you guys are pushing me into an area where I don't want to go. You know, the Bible actually says in Corinthians that we should give the dishonorable parts more honor. Like we treat them with more, more honor. We cover them up better. So maybe you feel like the fufu nyoliki. You know, that part we don't want to show anyone. <laughs> but imagine how uncomfortable your life would be without it. There's no one here today, no matter how you feel about yourself, no matter how you think you stink, that's without purpose, plan, and destiny. And I'm not saying that to offend anyone. Sorry, I almost fell. I'm saying that to encourage you, is that grab a hold of the things that Christ has grabbed a hold of you for. Because this body is made to reflect the glory of Christ. And you know what? Without you, we can't. Just like we can't live without our fufunyolikis. So be encouraged. If you have good cheer, you have the Holy Spirit within you. And together, God wants to do something glorious within us. I never used to have to use these things, and now I can't live without them. And so it's to our advantage 
that Jesus went away because you and I have re- you've received the Holy Spirit. And in just what it's so beautiful what happened here this morning. It's people surrendering their hearts to Jesus. You know, that needs to be a daily thing. We take up our cross daily. Let my will die, let God's will live. Are you guys all right? Come on, give me a smile. Quickly, quickly, take it off the mask and smile. Yes, you guys. And when he comes, he will convict, reprove, make us aware, cut us to the heart, the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. And those are the three areas that God continuously in our life convicts us of. And so when we come to him, there's a first moment of conviction that comes. I realized like that I, I haven't put my trust in him. I realized that I've gone my own way. I realized like I tried to do things my own way. And I was here and I was going to the panorama. And I had chosen to live my life my own way. Doing all the things that I shouldn't, being naughty, drinking and girls and all those things. And I found that those things were so empty. But a moment came on a mountain in Cirrus the Holy Spirit came to me and he convicted, he cut me in my heart and I realized I've tried it this way but God's way is the best. You see, I always knew about God but I didn't know God. I knew the stories and I knew all the Bible things and I went to Sunday school. You know, school on a Sunday. But I knew of God but I never knew God and there was a moment where I got cut in my heart and I realized and in that moment of conviction, faith came. There was a moment that I could respond and I said to God on that mountain, God, I give up. I'm going to do it your way. I've tried it my way. It didn't work. That was a sinner's prayer for me. And in a moment, my life got transferred. But you see, that was my first moment of faith. I got convicted of sin, of unbelief. I got convicted of righteousness and not being in a relationship with the Father. And I got convicted of judgment because the act was bang, bro. You know where I was going when I was dying? I was going to hell. And I knew it. It wasn't a theoretical thing. I knew it. And so I had my first moment of conviction there. But then as I carried on my life, I still had many moments of conviction, like that moment I stood on the chair. Or another moment of conviction which came later when I gossiped about someone at work and the Holy Spirit said to me, go and apologize to that person that I'd never met before in my life. Sorry, I know that sounds a little bit heavy. eh? (laughs) But... But we can get trapped in these three areas of our lives. So the Holy Spirit will always convict, whether you're a Christian or whether you're a non-Christian. Conviction comes. And when conviction comes, the way out always comes. Because then there's faith for us to respond. Being in church is not good enough. Sitting here is not good enough. Amassing knowledge in your head is not good enough. Going to community is not good enough. Having friends is not good enough. Doing the things Christians do is not good enough. You know what is good enough? Is knowing Him. For eternal life is this, that we may know Him who He has sent, Jesus Christ, His Son. Gnosko know, not head know, not skill know, know intimately like I know my wife. That know. You see, the Holy Spirit comes and He convicts us concerning sin because they did not believe in me. And that's the first thing that God will touch, is He'll touch on who are you trusting in? 
What are you trusting in? Are you trusting in your finance? Are you trusting in your relationships? Are you trusting in your wife? Are you trusting in your retirement fund? Are you trusting? What are you trusting in? And the thing is, is that the world that we're living in now is such a turbulent world. I mean, everything's getting shaken. And whenever I think about faith, I always think about Peter. And they, they just had this massive miracle feeding the 5,000. Jesus sends the oaks on the boat. They'll get on the boat, go across to the lake. Not, not far. So they start rowing. Jesus wraps up the meeting and he goes to pray with the Father. And now they say they've been rowing and a storm comes up. And round about the third watch, which is between three and four in the morning, which means they've been rowing since the, uh, early in the night. They've been rowing for nine hours in a storm. How many of you have been on a boat? I mean, it's a nauseating thing for me to be on a boat. How many of you have been on a boat in a storm? I mean, that's a little bit scary. Now the disciples are on a boat in a storm, having rowed for nine hours, not making headway against the wind, and Jesus comes walking on the water. And they see this, and this, and, and this is what they think in their heads. This is a ghost, and he's come to take us. Not to the good place. And so, they say they're talking under one another. Actually, they were so scared, they were crying out. And so Jesus comes close. He says, don't worry, it's me. But you see, they don't believe because Peter goes, Lord, if it's you. Like, I must say, I'm with the other 11 at that point. I'm under the seat, hiding away. I'm not the one saying, Lord, can I walk to you on the water if it's you? So Jesus says, come. So Peter gets out the boat. He walks towards Jesus. And he walks on the water. And then what happens? He takes his eyes off Jesus and he puts his eyes on what? He puts his eyes on the storm. He puts his eyes on the wind. He puts his eyes on the chaos. And then what happens? He sinks. See, and maybe you're a Christian here today. And you've taken your eyes off Jesus and you've put your eyes on the rights and Kozilunatal. You've put your eyes on the election. You've put your eyes on COVID. You've put your eyes on the market. You've put your eyes on the politics. And as you've taken your eyes, you've put your eyes on just the, are we going to get retrenched? Are we going to get fired? Taking your eyes off Jesus and you're sinking. And Jesus says, put your eyes back on me. And as Peter cried out, Jesus reached out his hand. And he lifted him out of the water. And so how do we encourage each other to not sink. Because remember, this is not a preach about how I do it by myself. This is a preach about how we do it together. So I'm going to tell you a little story. So I was a pharmacist. I was a manager of Durbanville Medical Med Kit, 28. Had a lack of job. Good income. I was in the middle of that corporate ladder. I was young. I was going to probably not have too much trouble financially. I had other troubles, but I didn't have financials. And then God came to me one year. I'd already, I was an elder, and he said to me in January, Monet, I want you to come full-time in the middle of the year. So I buried it in my heart, and just like you do prophecy, see, see whether it was God or see whether it was the pizza. And so Andrew came to me in August, and he said, listen, we, we've been growing, and we need another full-time guy. So I'm like, yeah, you're a couple of months late. You know this. No, I didn't say that. That was a joke. 
I'm going to ask you to take your masks off again, eh? Well, I can't. It's against the law. He said, so he said, I want you to come work, but you know there's one problem is we can't afford you. We can't pay you a little bit, but we can't pay you what we, you got paid then. So I was like, all right, let's go. Gave them, so asked me for a budget, gave them the budget, and they paid me what they could. Faith. God has spoken. It wasn't easy. So that first Sunday, we, it's around about the first Sunday we, we went full time. I remember that Aniki Brandt, Darwin Liesel's mom, they now lead. The, she came to us and she said, you know what, I, I see this picture for you guys. She prayed for us. She said, I see this picture for you guys. You, I see this horse, and it's one of those uh, European horses that you get in the UK with those thick legs, with the hair. It's those work horses. And it's got like this bag around its nose. It's an, called the nose bag. Because they work horses, they can't stop and have some chow next to the road. They've got to work. And so they put grain Right there, so that if the horse is hungry, he just dips his head into the, into the bag and then he eats. She says, I see this for you, and I believe God's saying this, is that you will never lack. In your work for the, for the ministry, you will never lack. Which is great, but it's just words. You know, we were a little bit encouraged. I can't say that, eh? I must be full of faith. I'm only human, just like you. So here's the rest of the story. So a couple of years later, God says he wants to bless me with a gift. And he gives me a Land Rover. I bought the Land Rover, but it's not the type of gift that I thought. You know, you get gifts that are just for your blessing in a material way, and then you get gifts that shape you. So my Land Rover was given to me to shape me. It was a gift for my spirit, not for my flesh. And we had a friend. Um, she had done a, she, she was a CA. She had done her articles. And then when you go from doing your articles, you get fully employed. Your salary about doubles, eh? So her salary about doubled when she was fully qualified. And she came to us and she said God had come to her and said to her that she must give us the difference for a couple of months. I can't remember the exact details. So we were like, are you sure this is God? She said, yes. I said, well, here's my bank account. <laughs> you quickly, you quickly, you know. So we had, had no need at that time. We were staying by Gwyneth and Ernie. We didn't have children. We were living well within our means. And so the good steward that I was, I saved the money. And that last month that she paid us, guess what happened? The Land Rover's gearbox broke. And the amount of money that she had given to us in that period of time was just about the right amount that we needed to fix the gearbox. Because God knew. And God had spoken over us that we would never have need. So here's the question. How many of you feel encouraged by that story? Ah, oh, the rest of you are just hard-hearted, man. <laughs> Who feels encouraged? I mean, God is good. And the same God that I serve is the same God that you serve. And if God did it for me, he'll do it for you. But the point of this is not that you feel encouraged. Well, it actually is the point. But the point is, is that God wants us to share our testimonies with one another. He wants us to share those real stories that happen to us so that, you know, sometimes you're down and I'm up. And then sometimes I'm down and you're up. 
And when I'm down, your story can carry me through the time when I feel discouraged, hopelessness, and in despair. Because God at some point will come through. And that's how God wants to use you. It's a small thing telling that story. It's a big thing not forgetting it. So remember the testimonies that you have and share it with one another as they happen. Because that story that happened to you is not just for you, it's for those people around you. Because God wants all of us to finish the finish line. And so one of the ways that we can finish it together is is the Holy Spirit encourages us in our faith and in our trust towards God. But we can encourage one another in our faith and in our trust towards God by sharing the testimonies that God puts in our hearts and what happens with us. Is that awesome? So who's going to share a testimony this week? Yes, all three of you. I must be the best preacher in Josh Jane. Please respond more. I'm coming up. It's salary review soon. <laughs> it's not. It's not. We, listen, we don't do this for money, eh? How am I doing? Are you guys still right? Two more points. Put on my eyes. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Now, when I read that, I pondered that. Like, what does righteousness got to do with Jesus going to be with the Father? I mean, like, come on. Righteousness got to do with sin, right? But then he speaks about sin. He speaks about trust. He doesn't speak about going to the Father. And then the Holy Spirit suggests to me, righteousness is about being in a relationship with God. That's what righteousness is. Adam and Eve were in the garden. They were walking with God in the garden. Sin came in, and what happened? They died in their spirits, and the fellowship was broken. And so righteousness is about relationship with God. Wrongsciousness. I love making up new words. Wrongsciousness is when we do sin, and when we do sin, what happens? You guys are Christians, right? Do you sin? Yes, all the time. Actually, John says that if you say you don't sin, then you lie, then you just sinned. So you're trapped. we trapped. So even though we've been made righteous, we still have to walk this thing out. And walking this thing out is about relationship with God. But when you do things wrong, like when I did things wrong, what does it make you do? When I do something wrong, I want to hide. I don't want to be with God and I don't want to be with these people. What did Adam and Eve do when they did something wrong? They hid fig leaves, blame. Adam and Eve, where are you? And so what do, and this is the point here. What do we do for each other when we sin? Well, the thing you do yourself is that you, you choose not to run away from God, but to run towards God. And running towards God means running towards His people. So if you sin, you repent, Acts 3.20, so the times of refreshing may come. But sometimes we get stuck in things. We look at things, we do things with our hands, and our feet take us to places that are not just one-off incidents. They become habits in our life, and they become ingrained in us. And those things are more difficult to break. So how do you break those things? Because when those things come in, there's condemnation and shame. 
condemnation is, is God can't forgive the sin. It's the unforgivable sin. I'm going to give up. I've been struggling with this thing for so long. I'm just rather not going to be a Christian anymore. And those type of sins, you need the body. Because it's not just repentance that will bring refreshing, but it's confessions that will bring healing. You see, James says, he does say it, I've just got to find it. James 5, 16 says, confess your faults to one another. It's actually not the word hamartia, it's the word paraptoma. Anyway, it's a little preaching there by itself. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. So there's a type of sin or cycle of sin in our life, especially those things that you are really ashamed of, where you think you're going to get rejected, where you think you're going to get pushed away, where you think people are going to think less of you. That's when you should be running towards righteous men and women that can pray with you and bring healing because you don't need forgiveness at that point. Because God already gives you forgiveness. You need healing from the sin. And I've seen too many Christians stumble over this thing. You know what the thing about that type of sin is? Is that sin is common to all men and women. There's nothing that you've done that other people don't do. And the devil will want to make you think that your sin is special. Only you doing it? No. And so how do we help each other? to get across the line, not just by sharing our testimonies, but by being a people that when people come to us and share their sins, we don't reject them, we accept them when we pray for them. You see, we can't have an attitude of holier than thou, because you also sin. And so you're not better than them, you just struggle with different things. You see, there's no one righteous, not one. But if we remain in Christ, we share in His righteousness. And we need to pe treat people and their sin like Christ treated us with our sin. Full of mercy, full of grace. Not overlooking, not condoning, but being gentle and bringing people to a place of repentance and renunciation and prayer. Is that all right? There are no special categories of sin. And so, please, as God's people, let's not look down on people, especially in evangelism. You, you know, people pick up in our, in our demeanors, in our, in our attitudes, if we think we're holy and they're not. God wants to fill this church. He wants to fill it with unsaved. This is an awesome church with awesome people, with the Spirit of God inside of you. And God was a friend of sinners, and so should we be. Because that's a nice English sentence, eh? and so should we be. And so, so how can we get everyone across? Because there's some people here that should be running in a race that are not even here yet. And so ask the Holy Spirit. Invite people. Open your heart. Open your home. It's the people that protest the loudest and sin the hardest that are the closest. That's just my personal experience. You know, that oak that you think like, never. Nooit, ooit, ooit gaan die oog gered raakie. Hy is te frot en te ver van. You know why he's so frot? 
because he's got such a hunger in his heart. And they might protest on the outside, but on the inside, it's the Holy Spirit that does the work. We're just a vessel. And so be robust. Be like Jesus who left heaven and came to earth. Sometimes we have to step over a boundary. Do you think it was nice for Jesus in heaven? I'd like an answer, please. Yes, it was nice. He was being worshipped by the angels. He didn't have a physical body to worry about. No pain and suffering. But yet, he gave it up. Took on flesh. Because he loved. Will we be a loving people? Will you be a loving people? Because God wants to shed his love in your heart through the Holy Spirit. Are you guys all right? Yes, we're almost finished. Another hour. Yeah, but we, we only have two. We're almost there. And then concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Do you know that there's a judgment coming? How many judgments are coming? It's okay, I'm open for suggestions. How many judgments are coming? Does anyone know? Some say one. Some say two. Who says one? Raise your hands. Who says two? Who says I'm not going to put up my hand no matter what you ask? There's one. Thank you for your honesty. <laughs> All right, so there's two coming. There's the white throne judgment spoken about for Revelation. And if your name is found in the Lamb's Book of Life, you will not go to that judgment. Jesus' righteous covers you. That judgment is for, for dividing the, the sheep and the goats. And the sheep go to be with Jesus, and the goat goes to be with the devil and his angels. And the hell wasn't made for humans, but it was made for the devil and his angels. And if you don't accept Jesus' sacrifice for you on the cross, then you go there with them. But it was never made for us. But we choose to go. Not if we want to, but if we deny the conviction and the call of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. But then there's a second judgment. And this is a good judgment. This is called the Bema throne judgment. This is the judgment of rewards. So me and you will one day stand before Jesus and we will be given rewards for what we have done in this life. And I don't know about you, but I want to hear those words, come in to my presence. Come into that which I have prepared for you, my good and my faithful servant. Who would like to hear those words one day? I would love to hear those words. But sometimes we take our eyes off heaven and we get so fixated with now. You see, you've got one opportunity to invest. Bitcoin's over now. It's too late. Arbitrage is gone. But as Christians, God says, come and co-labor with me alongside the Holy Spirit, applying the mediating blood of Jesus Christ into the plan of the Father. I want you to work in the family business. And when you work with me and you bring in more souls and you bring more people to maturity and the church advances and churches are planted and people are developed into their gifts and the Holy Spirit flows and elders are released and the kingdom of God moves forward, I want you to participate in that because I've made you to be something. And when you participate in that, God says, you have a reward with me. But if we don't participate and we don't build upon the foundation of Jesus Christ, the Bible says we will suffer loss. Because our work will be tested by fire, 1 Corinthians 3. 
and so we'll come in and we'll present our work and the fire will be there and the gold and silver and precious stones will not be destroyed by fire. And I don't quite understand that. We've got to ask the clever, clever guys what that means. But I, I do know what it means in the simplicity of it. He says that I need to build with the Holy Spirit while I have time. And the time is now. Because if you die tomorrow, then your investment opportunity has passed. But today we still have time. So build. Invest. There where moth. Moths don't eat it. And rust doesn't destroy. It's a very good investment. There's no inflation over there. There's no oaks that are going to steal your password and steal your money. Because Jesus himself is looking after your stuff. It's the best place to invest. The returns are out of this world. You want to come speak about investment? Come speak to me afterwards. But not just that. <laughs> How do we together? Because remember, this is about not me. This is about us. How do we together encourage one another to invest there? So quickly, have a look at this clip and then we'll wrap it up. Every time I see that clip, I just tear up. It's just like... So that's Tatjana when she won the, the gold and, and the world record. And um, you know what's so beautiful about that for me? Is that the Bible says that we run this race before a great cloud of witnesses. And then you see like <laughs> the acts on the pavilion there. When they saw she was going to win, oh, they started jumping up and down and cheering her on. To win her race. And I want to say we've got witnesses that are dead and we've got witnesses that are alive. So there's a great cloud sitting up there cheering you on today. But here today is the rest of the crowd, crowd of witnesses. And God calls us to encourage one another in our core purpose and destiny. To say, well done. Thank you for doing children's church. Thank you for coming in early and doing worship. Thank you for doing the registration at the door. Thank you for doing five or six services on a Sunday. Thank you for opening up your home for community. Thank you for giving me a lift. Thank, thank you for sharing your life with me. Thanking each other, encouraging each other with good words so that we do not get weary of doing good. Because it's so easy to get weary of doing good. We can become professional Christians. And we do it because we do it and we're faithful. But we lose somehow, sometimes we lose the heart of it. And so can we, 
encourage each other. Just recognizing when someone puts the toothpaste on their toothbrush. It's not a big thing. But just that, hey man, I see you. You're running such a beautiful race for God. Encouraging the leaders, encouraging the elders, encouraging the worship leaders, encouraging one another. It's the small things that make the differences. It's not always the big ministries. It's like, it's that hello to a visitor. You know, I come in here, I'm a stranger, man. It's uncomfortable. I want to read my Bible upside down. <laughs> Sit there with a cell phone. Hello? It's the, hey, welcome. You guys are a welcoming church. I was going to say, like, you guys are doing beautiful. I walk in here and I like, I just see God's love. I just see fellowship and family. I hear that buzz. You know when you walk into church, it's just that zzzz, like a bunch of bees. It's awesome. You guys are doing awesome. Well done. But let's encourage one another more so that all of us make it. Because there's some of us that are sitting here that are feeling overlooked. And they're not going to say, I feel overlooked. No, they're just going to withdraw their wallet and then withdraw their feet and fade into the nothingness. So, God wants every one of us to finish the race. God wants you to help each other to finish the race. We do that by sharing testimonies. We do that by praying for one another and not looking down on one another's sin. Helping each other to confess and bringing the goodness of God's repentance towards one another. And we do that by encouraging each other so that we can finish the race together. So that all of us can make it through. And if you want to be part of that, you want to be part of that type of church, I want you to make a commitment like these Oaks did this morning. I want you to stand in your chair. You can do that now. On the chair, in the chair, on your head. Just, you don't have to stand on the chair, but if you want to, you can. All right, so I want to pray for us, and I'm going to trust. You know, the Bible says that we don't just get filled once with the Holy Spirit, but we get refilled all the time, Ephesians 5, 4. Ask the 